Let's get to it. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, Europe. Good morning, Americas. And welcome to Rug Radio Asia Web 3. Motherfuckers, your daily show dedicated to Web 3 NFTs, latest news, hot topics. And on the menu today, we've got Reddit NFTs, Meme Land, Doodles, Zero X Cigar. Oh, Cigar Man. He is so sneaky, this guy. And, and, and amazing guest with Overlords, the gaming, fashion, IP, coin, everything, Web3 giant. We do the show every weekday, Monday to Friday, 10 p.m. UTC plus 8, 10 a.m. Eastern time, or 2 p.m. UTC London, but not for very long. Guys, this weekend, we're changing time. Literally, this Sunday is like the worst the worst potential time for any clubber, any partier. You, we're losing one hour. We're losing one hour of sleep, one hour of party. It's one of those times. A very warm welcome to you, ladies and gents from all over the world, as you join us on this adventure to build the biggest, the greatest, and the baddest Web3 community there is. My name is Wacky. I am your host on our brand, PewCast. I had a marvelous chicken sandwich for lunch. I am pumped. The sun is kind of shining. It was actually shining. I'm delighted to be here. It is Friday. TGIF, boys and girls, TGIF. My co-host, you know him. I, 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 this is it. Now this is your new introduction, man. You're the sexiest man in Asia. Sexiest man in Web3. This is you. It will be you forever now. His name, Puke Rainbow. How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm doing good, bro. Like today, bro, your voice sounds extra crispy. So what happened, man? Ooh, I like it. I mean, hey, I, I got a I, different settings. My mic is like slightly adjusted differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, bro, like now you have your new office. You know, you are at the high rise building, big mirrors looking out uh, down the street and stuff like that. Like you definitely got things sorted out. For you. <laughs> yeah, this is so funny. That's exactly where I'm, I am right now in a meeting room and I'm <laughs> looking at the window on the street. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. All right, guys, welcome to Asia Web3 Motherfuckers, powered by PewCast, the rock radio of Asia space, where we only have one goal in mind, is to build the most genuine Web3 communities among the Asia countries and to unite everyone under one roof. You know, we run this show Monday to Friday, and, you know, every day we will be bringing interesting guests. Today, I'm, it's my pleasure to have the team from Overlord, Dom and Joe, Welcome, welcome to the space. And, you know, as, as usual, you know, like, retweet the space because, you know, we want to show love to you guys. We want to see your support and spread the word so we are able to provide better speakers, better value for you guys. And I know today there are tons of new people on space because, man, like, it's just great. I have to repeat myself, but it's great to see all the creeps PFP showing up. And I know, bro, instantly, Dom, you are here and you guys build a interesting and strong community so you know end of the space stay tuned because we will take a snapshot and end of the space we will release a pull-up so the pull-up will be a pukecast pull-up and you know when collecting this you know we, we 5 10 we will run different types of raffle and the first prize will be giving out next week which value about 200 usd so this is something that we will do more and more so let's kick off some things with a little bit of a short ice breaking session all right you know we are talking about overlord they have been like you know it with spotify recently with a new partnership as well so my question is easy bro like you know they are in the gaming as well like they are tapping every industry so i have to ask you wacky what is the last game you played so this is a this is a very good question the last game i played is called cuphead 
And uh, it's this old school sort of, it's almost, I was about to say 70s, but it's literally 30s inspired, the, the, the feel of it. It's a 2D shooter game and it's it's nuts. Like, have a look at it. I freaking love it. And and for some reason, I just keep playing and keep playing it. I played I played last week. I, I just love it. I, for those of you that know the game, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just, it's just one of those awesome games. But besides that, I'm a big Zelda fan. I'm not like a, a big uh, computer game. I'm, I'm on the consoles and I'm waiting for Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 to come out. And this is hours of gameplay, man. Hours and hours. So yeah, that's that's me for gaming for this year. I'll be I'll be pretty ready there. Um, what what about you? Do you play games? What what's the last game you played? <laughs> All right. So you know the funny thing is when I asked the question, I was trying. I was having a hard time thinking what was the last game I played. And damn, it has been long, bro. Like the last game I played, it was during my college years, and it's a it's Summoner's War on mobile phone. Like that was the last game. I think it's about like what? Let me think about it. Seven years ago, like that is the last game that I ever played. Was the last I'm, game you played? I'm, I'm, bro, Candy I'm, Crush I'm two seconds ago. Game, <laughs> you? No, no, no. <laughs> I thought you might tell me Candy Crush two seconds ago. <laughs> All right, let's Horrible. let's throw it to Forza. Let's throw it to Forza. I feel Forza's a gamer. Yes, yes, I am. Can you can you guys hear me? Yeah, loud. I can hear you. Yeah, GM, GM, guys. So yeah, I'm like I play a lot of games, but. I think the most fun game I had, like last time playing, was Tomb Raider. Bro. It was so fun, and it was so hard to play. Yeah, that was Wait. my last game. Tomb Raider on which platform? On which console here? PS4. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider is serious, man. PS4. Oh, God, I'm she looks so I'm good. As well. the they, it's coming up they make, next year. They make. They make her look so good every time. Yo, PewCast, Maeve, are you back? Are you back with us? And uh, you, you're a gamer. Yes, yes. Maeve, tell us. What's the latest? Be- uh, we know you read mangas all the time, but do you have time to play games? Yo, yo, I'm back. I got rubbed twice. Twitter rubbed me officially, and now I'm back, reconnected, finally. Damn. Twitter, didn't ru- Twitter, Twitter rugged you and robbed you of your own identity, man. <sighs> What was the question? Was the question like, uh, what's my favorite what? game? Last game, last game that you played. Woo. Uh, damn. I let me let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I think it's that uh, Dota card game thing that I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Dota Overlord. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like <laughs> <laughs> a lot, bro, bro, bro. I see what you're doing there, bro. Yeah, All right, guys, we we pin, <laughs> guys, we pinned the question on top as well. So you know, if you guys are on the space, feel free to go and question on it. You know, answer answer the question because I would love to hear what kind of games you guys are playing. Because hey, you know, when we have Dom on stage, Joe on stage, I would love to know what they are building. And also, you know, what's the last game that you guys play? We have some interesting, you know, answers here. What you got? What you got for us? I, oh, I posted the question, but I didn't. All right, it. so <laughs> <laughs> no worries. All right, let's dive down to the news of the day, bro. What is it? What is it? Tell us, Maeve. Tell us the news. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me get right into it. So, Reddit to release six free collections to onboard users. PR Guitar Man has been revealed as Reddit's gen third generation artist. 
Mimland with their latest video teaser, followed by a first stage review, uh, which is a baby. Uh, Kakarot uh, F23 uh, reveals uh, Prana Utilities focused around resorts and yoga. Vanity addresses exploited worth 500,000 US dollars for the Abisham airdrop. Now Pass had minting issues, but quick on solution. Saigar joins Pseudo Random Labs to work on pseudo-swap, and lastly, Doodle's Genesis Box reveals on the 31st of March. Back to you, Pew. I can't believe we still have some Doodle, right, right. Some doodle news, man. <laughs> hey, there. No, no. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Okay, okay, Maggie, Maggie. I, let, let me get this straight, right? So the funny thing is this. I was talking to Maeve, and I said, like, hey, shit, like, you know, Doodle's, they have update, and every time we have to update doodles because man like you know i want my puking rainbow um but you know every time i have to follow closely bro because like if it's the price drop is like super good for me you know the cheaper it is that i get the puking rainbow the closer it is to my goal to fulfill like the true destiny of my name that's it i would say it's five it's five ETH. you you your bottom limit still is that is that your price <laughs> Nah, you know what? We, we, now that's going on, I, I think it's bottom, bro. Like, all right, so let me read out some of the, you know, interesting answers that you guys give. You know, we have uh, Ud Crash said that, you know, Demon So, not a normie. Uh, Hex say Morrowind. Uh, Le Fumote said a new generation of God of War and a recent sequel, God of Raw Ragnarok. Crypto Phoenix said, hmm, Fallout. Uh, Nikki Mess said Sea of Thieves. Karmic Tom, Final Fantasy 7, and Asphalt. Like, alright, so I know Final Fantasy 7, Fallout, Asphalt, rest of it, I don't know, bro. So I'm <laughs> really, really, really not a gamer. Bro, Final Fantasy 7 was like 15 years ago, 20 years ago. <laughs> that, was, that was a long time ago, Final Fantasy 7. <laughs> alright, yeah, so let's dive down a little bit on the news uh, because right now, you know, uh, 10 more, ten to 15 more minutes only Only the team will join us so we're going to dive down in terms of like the NFT projects and what's happening lately on the space I have to say you know we have to talk a little bit of Reddit because I heard you know basically this new collection you don't even have to put a wallet and stuff like that all you have to do is kind of like a claim your avatar put in your name and that's it so Maeve just give me a little bit more info on this bro so uh, ever since like Reddit avatars, the one that like you know was trading a bunch, everybody loved it. You know, obviously many people made very big bags, the more secondary. But uh, statistics from my memory at least, uh, they've onboarded I think close to two million users or so. So, uh, the the one that I I last joined and uh, I I shared with uh, like obviously our listeners as well was the uh, Super Bowl. So they had avatars. I played around with that. So those avatars obviously were not tradable, but uh, they they made it very very simple for people to at least understand a little no, or understand what NFTs are, right? Owning you know an avatar, which I believe like this uh, this coming uh, third generation is gonna be the same as well. Um, obviously that there are a lot more stats. Everybody else has covered this a lot more. But again, like the whole point is uh, for Reddit to make this as uh, as seamless as possible. So, so uh, interesting enough, like yesterday we were speaking to Lean and Adam from uh, Variable. Like, the, the, the whole point, uh, so well, th- there was one major uh, pain point that uh, they shared, that uh, even I, I, well, I didn't know at least, is that for Web2 companies, one of their biggest pain point is to actually onboard their own users to, you know, NFTs. Uh, so, obviously, their, their users, their ecosystem will prefer something that is a lot more familiar to them, which uh, just didn't occur to me for some reason. 
But uh, yeah, Reddit making it very, very easy for the masses to, to understand and uh, just get their, their, their feet into, this, uh, into the space. So you, you remember one of the things we discussed the other day where I was saying that effectively, I think we reach, we're now reaching a stage where we are not going to be onboarding, and I don't want to say anymore, but we're not going to be onboarding many more Web2 people into Web3 the way we understand Web3 in the sense like someone is going to go create a MetaMask wallet. Someone is going to go buy ETH, transfer the ETH into MetaMask to buy something on OpenSea or Blur. Like, you know, this is the way we understand Web3. However, this now with all those big companies, providing NFTs and providing a seamless interface, which then allows people not to have a, uh, a wallet. This is the way millions of people are going to start using NFTs. Will will we consider them onboarded into Web3? I don't know, because technically they will still be governed by a big centralized organization and they won't be owning the NFTs. But it will definitely democratize the adoption of NFTs and the understanding of it and the use of them. You know, people will then be able to go and trade things right away on the platform's wallet rather than your own wallet. So look, from that perspective, from a NFT adoption perspective, I think it is good, right? It's not kind of what we were thinking in the anarchists in us that uh, believe we're going to topple the banking system with our MetaMask wallets, you know, taking the money out of the, out of the, the government's hands. Um, that's not what we we're talking about. But I think it's, it's great. I mean, you know, the more people hear about NFTs, the better it is for us, for, for the industry. Yeah, yeah but... I mean, looking at, for example, um, how Reddit is doing, right? Like, they don't even need a MetaMask wallet. They just, like, you know, kind of, like, claim it. How does it relate to claiming it as an NFT, bro? But this is the same thing. Did you see Nick and Pio? I know you claimed uh, the Nick and Pio NFT the other day, right? It's yeah, the same I, thing I, that... I claim all, all three days. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. It was three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. I missed a couple. Every... <laughs> so, no, no. So, so, Nick and Pio will release... The, the the what I mean the thing that they claim right so you go to the website Nifty claims you key in the code and then you claim it it's an everyday thing but that claiming it's also the similar of how Reddit does it so I'm not too sure how can you call it an NFT that is not registered for example well because it is still an NFT it's just that it's a, it's a custodial wallet right they are the ones that are holding the NFT on their side for you. Right. So you're going to have now this is kind of what Amazon. Well, most likely what Amazon is going to come out with in April. Right. I'm sure you guys have all heard Amazon is coming out with a big NFT announcement in on. I think it's the 26th or 24th of April. We'll have to double check the 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 exact date but the reality is they're not going to ask people to have their own wallet their own separate wallet they will just hold those nfts for people you, you know think about it the way you're like topping up a uh, a card on a website like a credit card i guess a credit card the, the way you're topping up money this is exactly what it will be people will just have their wallet on the platform's website and in there will be an nft Hmm. You see what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Th that's what that's I, what I, we've I mean, been... that, I mean that that is you know taking away the hurdles from you know creating the wallet and stuff like that. I mean it's similar to pull up, right? Like instead of having a wallet, you can actually mint it based on just your email address. And because exactly. of that so easy transition towards you know getting an NFT, it's kind of like a, a, a one leg into the door. And basically, people said, hey, you know what? 
um, I'm in NFT. I boast about it. And when I get really interested, that is where, you know, you self-discover, you know, how to download MetaMask, how to not get hacked, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, that's that's how you venture into the journey of NFTs. Exactly, exactly. And let's be realistic, right? This whole MetaMask thing that we're doing, obviously, we were super early and we we're at the top of technology and all this. But as soon as you have banks and other providers that are allowing people to buy Bitcoin using their standard checking account, right, or their standard credit card, that massively helps with the adoption of Bitcoin and crypto. So it, it is a good thing. Now, obviously, is it taking the money outside of the banking system? No, which is technically what, you know, again, all the anarchists in us created crypto for, right? Because the whole point is to take the money out of the system and putting it into another monetary system, which would then be based on Bitcoin and other cryptos. But the, the reality is 99% of the population is not going to go and do this. Now, okay, let me put a caveat to this. 99% of the old generation is not going to do this, right? Because the, the previous generation is just too complicated for people. If they're not in the tech sector, they're, they're not going to do this. However, the new generation coming up, obviously all of our future kids and then their kids will be a lot sensibilized, a lot more sensibilized to the whole um, to the whole ecosystem. So there will be more adoption in the decades that follow, but it won't be from the old existing generation. It will be from the future generation, from our offsprings, if you see what I mean. Yep, yep. I, I noticed this, like, I mean, that is moving, the, the way moving forward and like, you know, people who can actually adapt it. I, I'm seeing, for example, like games, they are the one that can easily do this kind of stuff and onboard more people. That's why like, you know, even today, this morning, right, I have a call with uh, someone who was handling like, you know, Tezos in Malaysia, kind of like an incubator system. And the way moving forward, they see is actually onboarding the masses through gaming. So, I mean, it's, it's, a way kind of like you know easily onboarded without any any hassle and stuff like that because it's like hey you know you guys are playing game just do one more thing extra and instantly you are into the the the, the whole thing called web tree and i think this kind of approach is easier in a way besides you know all the public stigmas that we always have because because web3 you know let's remind ourselves what web3 actually mean what web1 web1 was read web2 was read and write and web3 is read write and own right so the only technically what web3 means is that you have ownership of your assets of your data right now the concept of ownership is debatable if uh, if the asset remains on someone else's platform but, you know, you kind of technically own it and you can trade it, right? Just the same way we know that PlayStation has um, deposited a trademark for the concept of using NFTs within their own ecosystem. Well, it will be exactly the same as, as a gamer, you know, you, you're not going to go play a game and be like, do you want to transfer to your own MetaMask wallet right now? You know, it, it will all be within, within the game. And, and that is definitely the way forward. No question about it. I think yep, yep. that we believe that game studios are a little bit less nefarious than the big banks, I think. <laughs> 100%, bro. All right, let me dive down a little bit on this because like yesterday we were talking about now past, right? And I think it was on Wednesday we have like um, Nori who was very close with the founder, also met the founder. So right now, actually, they have kind of like a minting problem. Um, so the whole collection is 2.7k supply, right? Uh, but the first phase was 
was okay. The second phase, uh, a little bit of problem because you know, uh, when you know you buy off secondary market, uh, instantly you know when you try to sell and list, it has some technical issue in it. So right now, minting is paused, and man, like I was ready to mint. It was like two a.m. for me, you know. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna mint it, go to sleep. And, um, you know, with now this kind of issue, I guess I have to wait. But, I mean, it's funny. I, I told Maeve, like, hey, come on. Like, you know, you're a big company. Like, just use Bueno and, you know, you got your minting problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you have the same issue that I had with Mochaverse. I was there. I started. It's The, the minting phase started technically at 10 p.m. my time. And I was like, okay, perfect. Let me just get done with it. Even if gas is a bit high, whatever, I'll just get done. And then it was delayed. There were problems. 11, 12, 1, 2 I'm like, oh my God, come on. Like, I'm just going to go and do it in the morning, you know? But I think I think the industry and the holders and, and people in general are a lot more tolerant to minting issues now, um, especially if the name of the company is reputable. I mean, NFT now, I mean, I think it's probably with the past, it's probably going to be, uh, you know, something that we know is going to be serious. So I don't think it's going to have a huge impact going forward. But I mean, let's see, right? We're used to all those problems nowadays. Yeah, 100%, bro. All right, so what else do you have for us, Wacky? Uh, what else did we have for us? Well, Cigar, Cigar, or Cigar, um, going to PseudoSwap, right? I think, and also, that is not news because he, he has been there for, for months now. He just didn't post it right away. Um, but that is actually quite interesting because as we know, yeah. he is a very, very good quality dev. So, he's notorious. That's it. He is notorious in finding loopholes in any ecosystem, exploiting it and say, hey, you know what, guys, you have to buck it up because I have managed to exploit it. So you have to think <laughs> twice. Yeah. So imagine having this guy on your side. This is quite a big move by Pseudo. Um, I do have to say it will be very interesting. Okay, th this points to a couple of things, right? The, the pseudo business model, um, they, they, they are the, the ones, the first ones that came out with this 0% royalty with their, their MM, um, their, what is it called? MM, what is it called? I, I have a, um, a blank right now. But anyway, um, now they started this whole thing, which technically was goes against the whole Web3 ecosystem and the whole Web3 ethos. Now they're bringing it Saigar, who is kind of known to be more on the ethical side. And as you say, really pointing out all the flaws, but, but he's not trying to scam the system. He's trying to make it better. So it will be very interesting to see from a business perspective, from a strategic perspective, where Pseudo is going now. Um, because obviously there is a push more towards royalties um, than, than not. So re really keen to see what Sudo is doing uh, with Saga on board uh, in the next in the next few months. Yep, yep. All right, guys, this is a wrap up of you know our NFT news update. So if you guys want to know what we are talking about, all you have to do is check on the pin tweet. Basically, on PewCast page, we release daily updates of what's happening in the market. All right, let's get into the juicy part because today we have Joe and Dom with us today. And man, like I have to repeat myself three times seeing the army of creeps here. I know, you know, they love you guys. So how are you guys doing? I'm going to pass it to Joe first. Hey, hey. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for thanks for having us. Um, firstly, I, I love the PFPs. I'm a big fan of the the Rug Radio PFPs. Um, Froke and, and team have done an amazing job. So, um, but yeah, um, to your point. Secondly, the the army of creeps. It you know it never fails to to uh, turn up on on mass wherever 
the overlord is. So um, it's an incredible thing to be able to, to um, be here and, and see the support from, from the community. So uh, did do want to start by saying thank you guys for, for being here and excited to chat and excited to, to update you on what's going on. That's awesome. Welcome to the show, mate. And uh, and Dom, same to you. Uh, hello, well, welcome. Um, let's let's start with giving us. I mean, so we'll go probably a little bit briefly on you know what you guys have already done, and maybe talk more about what what's up to come. Because obviously, I anticipate with with the following that you guys have, a lot of people already know what's been done. But uh, always love to hear a little bit of background about yourselves in terms of. Um, did you have a Web2 life before Web3? Are you Web3 native? And what was, how did you get into Web3? And what was the inspiration to start Creep? So a little bit of background about you guys' self uh, would be great. Um, I'll let, let, let's, let's go with Dom and, and then to go with Joe. Hey, guys. Um, love this space already. Such great energy. Um, yeah, did I have a Web2 life? I had a life, but it didn't feel like one. Um, I, felt like <laughs> I, was, I felt like I was born in Web3. Um, you know, Joe and I always <laughs> joke that um, our entire career had built us up to build in Web3. Um, you know, we both um, have been sort of tech founders for the past 13 years or so, you know, starting, scaling tech companies, um, all sorts of valuations from zero dollars all the way up to billion dollar plus. And we were building under the thesis of building passionate communities of advocates and super fans around digital products um, in different verticals you know, from entertainment to financial technology, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, when we, we were watching blockchain and Web3 very carefully, um, I think I bought my first Bitcoin um, back, in, back in 2012, but uh, uh, not for an investment perspective for, for less savory reasons, but we'll save that for another day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what I know what you were doing. You and I were doing the same thing. <laughs> so, so, so my next question was about to say, do you still hold the, that Bitcoin? And the answer is no. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it back in 2012. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we we we've been best friends for for ten plus years. Um, have really sort of emotionally and intellectually supported each other through the various. Um, companies we built, you know, we, we wanted to move into Web3. We saw the application of technology and the usefulness of it. We saw the amazing communities that were coming together in this in these contexts. And, you know, we saw this as the dot-com boom, um, the next one, you know, that, that over the next 10, 20 years, there is just such massive opportunities that all of us here in this space are going to capitalize on because we're here you know, building early and putting in input. Um, and, you know, we couldn't be more excited. And it's um, it's been a great journey. Pick you want me to take over? I thought you might want to ask them some questions. What, me? Oh, you? Yeah, okay, I go. <laughs> I go because I've got plenty of questions. First things first, you boys are based in London. I'm also in London. We need to catch up. We've got to go for a part and we've got to talk more Web3 because there, there's definitely a lack of Web3 people in London, even though it is actually growing, as you say, very, very rapidly. Um, so, so, so many, so many questions for you guys. Um, the, the Number one is, so let, let's jump straight into the community aspect, right? Because my, my belief is that, 
in order for any NFT project to be successful, it is a healthy mix of the project founders, obviously providing a great product and providing a lot of work and doing a lot of great things, but it cannot do, it cannot work by itself. It cannot succeed without the support of an amazing community. So how are you guys approaching that community aspect and how have you been able to generate such a strong community? We see it today with the amount of, you know, creeps that are in the audience. Is this something that you guys are particularly focusing on or what are you guys thoughts around the, the community aspect of uh, Web3 projects and, and your project in particular? I couldn't agree more. You know, projects have recently come out and said they're no longer NFT projects. And, you know, we were very surprised by that. Because we, we see hey, Puke, sort of... do you know, you know yeah, who that yeah, was? I, I know, I know, I know. Do those, do those, do those. Right. <laughs> I won't say the name because I don't want to be quoted saying it. But, you know, it's like, okay, we can say it, we can say it. We, we see, you know, everyone sees the vision and mission into like building into mainstream. But to your point, these things are nothing without community. It's all about community. You know, the entire business model disruption here um, is that there's co-ownership of this IP and there's these assets. And you can use that as an engine to create better products faster, market them better, and drive revenue through different sources. Um, you know, we always say that, you know, 5,000 mines are better than, than two. Um, and we can't wait to scale that up to millions of mines are, are better than two so that we can all like, you know, be on this journey to build this mega brand that we all, all own together and get the value from together. Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, the, the way that it's built, basically, like, you can't enter the space saying that you're a Web3 brand. And then, you know, when Web3's the roles and responsibility come upon you, it's like, ah, you know what, we're moving to Web2. We are just, you know, selling products to you guys. It's an e-commerce brand and stuff like that. It doesn't gel really much because, hey, like, Web3 is not just, you know, you thinking of good product, pushing out, and whether the consumer will like it or not, you know, they just buy it. But Web3 is a whole thing expect where why it's like a two-way conversation, right? Like you release a product, the community love it and it grows together. But the, the beauty of this is like, you know, when the community love it, it's not just, you know, a company pushing it out, but it's a big community together doing so much of initiative. Like, I mean, I today when I, you know, when I post out the tweet, uh, instantly, I saw how your community built on top one another. So basically, you know, Wacky, I don't know if you saw this, but a community basically, you know, they tech and said, hey, you know, that's, we're going to play a drinking game. And uh, if, you know, every time it, like Joe or Dom say a particular word, we're going to down a drink. And uh, beside me here, I already ready a can of beer. So, you know, Dom, I'm going to participate in it. Like, you know, no no way. If you say the word, I'm just going to drink it. Uh, whether or not people see it, it's just for my fun. But these are the ways that, you know, it makes a brand interesting. It makes a brand alive. And it also gives people a vision or a motivation to do more, build more together with the community. So here I have to say kudos to you guys because you guys have built an amazing job. But let's just dive down a little bit into like, you know, I saw you guys have overlord, you guys have creep. So what's that two different verticals that you guys have? How does it correlate to one another? Yeah, overlord is our Marvel and creeps are our Spider-Man. So, you know, imagine overlords is big, expansive, narrative-driven universe where there's always different characters and stories that intertwine or live independently of each other. Creeps is our first character set with their own story and motives and personalities. We'll be releasing more over time um, to expand the story open. So that's really the relationship there. Um, you know, Overlord is Marvel and, and Creeps is 
is Spider-Man. Um, and I'm on the point of you uh, drinking your beer, you're going to get drunk <laughs> because, you know, uh, <laughs> we, we do repeat a lot of the same things quite often, like the word IP, etc. because it's just so important, you know? Uh, bro, bro, you just want to make me drunk, right? Like, you just mentioned <laughs> the word, the first word that people say you have, we have to drink and you mention it, like, come yeah. on. IP, IP, IP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is cool. So, so okay. Obviously, as, as you're talking about the, the way you're framing the ecosystem, you are looking at this from a very large scale, right? You didn't start with just one tiny little NFT project and then thinking, ooh, we got the money. Now, what can we do with it? You clearly had a vision, clearly had an idea. So um, going through you know, going through your website, it's actually, it's actually great because it's very clear the different verticals that you guys are spending time on. It's very clear what you've already worked on, what you're trying to, what you're trying to do next. So can we maybe touch on on um, each of those verticals and then summarize again. Let's go very briefly what's been done already because I anticipate a lot of the audience has already heard this, but for people that haven't, let's just recap and then what you're planning on doing. So let's go with gaming. Gaming is obviously one of the biggest thing that we believe, I think a lot of the industry, a lot of the Web3 industry believes is going to be the major catalyst into the greater adoption of NFT and maybe let's not talk about adoption, but understanding of what an NFT is. So what is your guys' vision in terms of gaming, gaming for Overlord? Gaming is going to be huge. Um, you know, there's a lot of excitement around Web3 gaming and, you know, we really want to lead the charge. You know, we want to be the first Web3 game to get tens of millions of players and users loving it. Um, for us, you know, blockchain and nfts are technologies we like to look at the benefit of technologies so it's very obvious to players what the benefit is here you know you put thousands of hours and dollars into these games you get ownership of the assets that you've grinded away to win or or, or you know slay a monster to um, pick up the loot um or you know you've purchased a bunch of skins and gun upgrades you know they should be yours and you should be able to sell them and do what you want with them and also have this like thriving marketplace to increase the variety of gameplay and stuff you can do. As a business, it's also you know, very interesting. You know, Free-to-play has obviously been the, the big meta in gaming for the past five years. But what you find in, in free-to-play gaming is that gaming companies, and these are the successful ones, they tend to really only monetize the, one to, the top 1% to 2% of users. They have 98% of users of the long tail which aren't monetized whatsoever. And by bringing player-owned assets into these games, you're going to drive more monetization of the rest of the sort of the user base. You know, it may be small sort of marketplace transactions, but as you've seen with NFT brands that live today, those small transactions add up to being millions and millions of dollars, which you can drive back into more game development and benefits for the gamers and the players. So you can scale the brands much faster. You know, it's classic business model disruption. But the way we see gaming in particular is how can we use these technologies, make them invisible to give players the benefits, but create the best engaging fun games that will, you know, entice a generation of gamers, um, you know, get the 100 million fans and players playing these games. You know, that's our North Star for the next five years and build different games for different platforms, different genres. So, you know, you may have a mobile RTS game or a um, PC-based battle royale or an RPG on console, all built underneath the Overlord 
um, IP drink uh, and universe and um, <laughs> and um, but have all these like kind of interoperable and composable benefits to them um, so that you know you, you build fan bases in all these different areas um, and by you know winning gold or something in one game you can take it over to the next game um, and you kind of create this thriving ecosystem of, um, of value. Yeah. So basically, you know, when you started up Overlord, is it always the goal in terms of entering blockchain gaming? Because it's not just gaming that it's involved, right? Like right now, you are doing so many other verticals. So what was that whole mission in mind when you launched like, you know, the PFP collection and then lead on to Overlord, you know, wanting to do gaming, wanting to do, you know, even striking partnership with like, I think it was two. One is us, uh, sub. Spotify and the other was like you know WME. So is it that whole mission in mind is already ready before you start on it, or it's just suddenly you guys see that is an opportunity to scale like the IP of uh, what you guys have built, and then thinking that gaming will be the next thing that it's gonna boom in the NFT market. Creeps and Overlord has always been a bet on the next platform shift in IP growth. We think it's really interesting. Gaming is an area of the IP growth which I think is most fascinating, not only because it has clear benefits to the players, but also as a partner from Andreessen Horowitz says, the next, the next sort of entertainment mega brand, the next Disney, the next Marvel is going to come from gaming. And you're already seeing that happening over the past few years. Um, you know, The Last of Us obviously being a great example of that very recently you know, they've got that amazing game, which is a few years old. They've released a TV show, and it's just generated tens of millions of new viewers and fans. It's driven back into the game, which will end up merchandising through different ways. You know, Pokemon has done this as a masterclass over the past three decades. You know, they, they have gaming at their core. They have 160 different games that they've built over the course of the, those three decades. But they've got merchandising and TV shows and toys and card games and digital experiences and anything else you can think of. So... So, you know, TLDR, it's a bet on IP growth. Gaming we see as a vehicle to build immersive storytelling and narratives that can play into the other verticals as we build them out. Yeah, man, gaming, it's just, that's the number one thing. Also, as, you know, it's a, it's a perfect timing. If we actually do enter in a economic recession, as we know, people tend to actually spend more time. They go out less by definition, but they still spend just as much money on games, staying at home and playing games. So, you know, you guys are like in a perfect time to create uh, to create more games. So really, really interesting. I mean, the, as we, I heard these, it was, I think it was the CEO of Animoca that I was talking about. You know how we used to talk about gaming before it was like consoles. Then it was, that, then when gaming became on PC and became online, it used to be called online gaming, right? And now we don't call online gaming, gaming, online gaming anymore. We just call it gaming, right? Because that's just the norm. And now we're calling it Web3 gaming. But going forward, we're not going to call it Web3 gaming anymore. It will just be gaming with all those NFTs and online. That's just a natural evolution. And, you know, th there's no question that um, this is this is the way forward. So, having said this, let me just go back to um, one of the other things that you guys are working on. I want to go in order. Uh, ooh, 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 I am missing it. Sorry, give me just one second. Um, my internet is being so. You guys had gaming, and then next on your website, I'm just going in right now. What else? What is the other vertical that you guys have? Sorry. 
sorry, I'm missing the page. We've got, we've got the website's loading. We've got Enter the universe. The, By the way, the I love the universe. Here you go, fashion. <laughs> go ahead, Reiki. Fashion. And then you've got another thing to click to explore the about, galaxy no, and the universes. To... I'm trying to go in order. So, um, okay. But let, ahead, let's talk about fashion because, like, I've I've been seeing, you know, like like tons of project they are doing merch, but in a way they are not really saying, hey, you know, fashion is gonna be one of our like core verticals, right? Like we see, for example, Azuki, we see Kaiju Kings, right? The ecosystem that I'm in, they launch merch, but merch is just like an add-on, like you know, just for people to wrap the brand. But if you know, fashion is a vertical, then. Try to explain a little bit on how that can be a you know a strong vertical is or not just plus on to holders that just love to wrap the brand. But fashion's a really interesting one. You know, it's it's kind of like the first time a brand goes from a digital sense into a physical realm. You know, you have that kind of tangibility of fashion. It also works really well with the um, with the character IP in the sense that you know the 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 world we're building online is extremely immersive it's you know story rich you know if you look at what makes an amazing fashion brand it's almost kind of the similar um similar f- like fundamentals and fabric of of design you know it's it's things which connect you to stories it's things that tell stories um and, and fundamentally things that that bring people together and you know we, we have it as a core pillar and vertical because you know we know that um you know an amazing way of of branding a community and bringing people together is is through something tangible and, and physical where you know you have that kind of visible brand um and almost kind of a kind of uh, a mark of representation of that community so you know we have an incredible team who are doing this they're not you know we're not um and, and I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen photos of dom and i or, or seen us on, on podcast but we're not you know we don't brand ourselves as fashion forward <laughs> in terms of what we're like personally but you know, what we've managed to do here is find an incredible team of, um, you know, uh, seasoned fashion execs. You know, we have the ex-CMO of, of Levi's, the ex-VP of product merchandising at Nike, the um, ex-CMO uh, of, of Lululemon, you know, all building out the um, Creeps Overlord brand. And, and the, the goal, to your point, you know, we sat down with them, we said, look, you know, this is not a merch brand. We're not here to launch a merch brand, you know, put a lizard on a t-shirt, put the logo on a t-shirt, put up an e-com store and, and, and sell it. You know, the goal here is like, let's put as much thought and depth as we do into, um, you know, whether it's storytelling or gaming or any, any other vertical where, where craft is involved. And, you know, let's, let's go back from, from the, let's build from the ground up and let's really think through what it means to be, part of something you know part of a community in the physical sense what does it mean to buy a you know a t-shirt and rep and, and rep that what does it mean to you know um the the fabric the packaging the the you know all these kind of nuanced details that go into creating something and let's start there let's start and build up bit brick by brick and the the real goal here is like why do we care about doing this is because actually you know to dom's point about ip growth you know, we know that if we can build something which is just as rich and as as has much as much depth and storytelling in the physical sense that we do in the in the digital realm, we can we can build a really exciting IP growth vertical. And you'll see over the next couple of months what's what we've managed to achieve on this front with with this team and this strong IP. And I think it's going to be a, a you know an industry first for um, for Web three. You know, I think it's going to be something which it will, will blow people away as to what can be achieved when you actually start by thinking about 
you know, what does this business look like in five, 10 years time, as opposed to just like, let's put something on a t-shirt and sell it and make some money. It's a real shift in like, in operations and, and, and mindset. So a little alpha, give us a little alpha. Can you reveal a little something? Give us a little snippet of, you know, tease us with what you're about to release. Oh. Uh, Dom's the alpha leaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. All right, Dom, the question I love is to you. <laughs> I love how you stay yeah. quiet for I so mean, long. What, what I would say, what I would say is, you know, everything is talk until it's done and executed. You know, we talk about as being a fashion brand and, and hitting mainstream and not being a merch brand. You know, what I would say is that we have, you know, confirmed partners that make that execution real when it rolls out. And it's not far away from being rolled out. So I'd keep your eyes peeled and your, cool. your tails and your claws ready on, on, um, on Twitter. Because it's, you guys, you know, it's, it's, it's a complete first for the Web3 industry. Um, and I think everyone will be very excited by it. Damn, damn, damn. Oh, oh man, Joe, man, you got it. You, you, you got it all wrong. Joe, you got it all wrong. Like today, he keep his mouth shut. That's it. He's not tight lip. He's tight lip. It sounds like someone hasn't had enough to drink yet on his own drinking game. IP, IP, yeah. So, one, one quick thing on, on the fashion thing is um, this is a sector which we are not paying enough attention to. And I mean, very clearly you guys are, but I think a lot of people um, are, are not looking at it as much. And this is something that's going to be creeping on us, pun intended, um, because a lot of those huge fashion brands are indeed looking at those metaverse, right? Big time. They are really exploring the metaverse as a way of connecting with more people, connecting with new generations, new people, and really expanding their reach. And it's actually quite um, surprising the amount of money that is being poured into those metaverses or those just Web3 experiences from the fashion brands at such an early stage in the development of Web3. That really goes to tell you, I mean, you know, when Vuitton is, when you know that LVMH is starting to use blockchain to track the provenance of, of their bags, which obviously makes a lot of sense because it will save them millions of dollars from stolen merchandise and things like this. It, it really goes to show you that um, this is the future, especially you guys were talking about technology. There's no question that this is a, a revolutionizing technology. Now, I've got one question for you, which is slightly outside of the, the different verticals. You are throwing, you know, amazing name at us. I mean, literally, you're dazzling us with CMOs of Lululemons and people from Nike and all this. Now, th basically, that all should also mean that you guys must be pretty well funded behind the scenes, right? So how, how are you guys, are you able to talk a little bit about how, you know, you're set up from that perspective, from a funding perspective and from an infrastructure perspective? or organizational infrastructure, I guess. Yeah, sure. You know, in terms of funding, you know, we are currently fundraising for a, sort of for a big kind of token round, which I know a lot of the community are excited about, which will kind of be, you know, SEC, please don't listen to this, but we kind of see it as like liquidized, uh, sort of liquid equity within the, within the brand. Um, but um, to, in terms of funding to date, you know, we're a bit of a sleeping giant. We have multiple different collections underneath Overlord that have all done pretty well. Um, and, you know, from that, you know, we've generated tens of millions of dollars. So we're a very well-funded company. I think if you, I think someone did the stat comparison at some point and we're, you know, I think we might be the seven 
um, highest, you know, net revenue generating brand that, um, in the space at the moment, you know, right behind Azuki and, and Board Apes, et cetera. So it gives us the leverage to really invest heavily in big partners, but more importantly, you know, use it as a negotiation point um, or, or sort of a, a point of value that, you know, we're, we're, we're a big, big sort of rev generating um, brand. Um, but in terms of like corp structuring, how we see um, the business growing over time, if you look at big entertainment brands in Web2, they're basically licensing engines. They build IP and they license it out to all these different companies to build out these different little, different little verticals. You very, very rarely ever see a single company own the end-to-end -end chain. You know, even brands like um, as big as Pokemon or Disney or whatever, you know, they will be doing a lot of licensing out of the companies. So we're building the company strategically like that. You know, we invest heavily um, in verticals to capture value, which we think we can have, um, you know, we can use our core competency on. Um, or we go in for co-development deals, or we try and license out the IP to big companies to build them out. And so being represented by WME and 360 is really helpful because it allows us to open literally any door on the planet they want to any of these big Web2 brands, get the conversation going, get them excited and see where we land. Um, you know, we've now already announced sort of three of these big deals um, in terms of co-development. We've got more coming up over the next year. Um, so the way we can move is we're nimble, we're fast. We do see ourselves as an NFT company, an NFT brand, because that's where our focus is. But we have these veterans, these experts that have generated billions of dollars in the vertical that they work in over the past few decades, building the brand out for us. And all that value will come back to us as a company, but also back to the Creeps IP holders, um, which is very exciting as a model. And it's like a core, a core philosophy, isn't it? You know, we, we know what we're good at and we, we execute really fucking well there. The other part of that is like, we're not, we're not greedy. We don't, you know, we're here to build value for everyone around and whether that's the community or whether that's our partners, you know, we don't need to own the full value chain. You know, our goal is growth and, and really, you know, aggressively expanding into new markets, new, new industries, new verticals. And we do that through having this like leverage approach with really smart strategic um, partners on the network. And I think, you know, the, the brands that really try and own the full value chain, you know, the ones that are trying to build everything internally and kind of keep it as a closed loop ecosystem are the ones that are going to move a lot slower and, and almost going to spend too much time trying to, you know, operationalize um, instead of scaling. And, and it allows us to really, you know, take the opposite approach where we, where we can keep the drumbeat and keep the value at the core, which is being a Web3 company, being an NFT project, but really sp expand aggressively into new markets uh, with, with these partners. So it's, it's a definite shift in like how brands in this space are operating. And it just comes down to like, where are you willing to make trade-offs? And, and for us, we want all, you know, all ships to rise with the tide. And, and we do that in a way through this partner network. Yep. And I just want to touch on a little bit in terms of how you guys are built. Because like, you know, you, you guys is basically you know your your project kind of like launched this year right and in in terms of sorry last year last year right and then in terms of like it's already been a year and we see for example when we talk about you when you touch a little bit on azuki or we talk about you know the top 10 blue chips projects all or 
not all that they do, but basically, you know, after the whole Genesis collection, they launched, for example, you know, airdrops, uh, you know, Azuki airdrops 20,000 20, like beans, um, you know, Azuki has their future collection. So a lot of all these brands has already keep on, you know, creating new, new collection, but your brands kind of like stick to just the Genesis instead of dropping more NFTs, you guys are built, building different, different vertical. So is this kind of like a strategy on, you know, how you guys wanting to build a brand or why is it like, what was the top process behind of your brand building so different compared to like, you know, the top 10 projects? In the vein of being an NFT company, one of our main goals is to protect the Genesis holders. And how do we protect the Genesis holders? We protect their floor price, we build to increase their floor price, and we build to like, generate you know, alternative value for them, whether that's through IP growth or in tokens, etc., etc. We do have plans to release new character sets and NFTs, which we will be doing this year, of course. Um, and we had planned to do it about seven months ago, but we decided to pause because what we noticed was all these sort of like mid-cap projects who at the time were sort of around a three ETH floor, four ETH floor, et cetera. You know, when the bear market hit in, they went and did um, their secondary NFTs and they did their, um, you know, they generated tons of revenue from these things. You know, brands making, you know, three, four, five million here, there, left, right, center. And we made a very conscious decision. You know, do we think short term or do we think long term? You know, short term, we could have taken in that five million, but we would have had an existential risk on the NFTs because the other mid-cap projects that minted, their, their you know, Genesis floor prices dumped. And, you know, you're now seeing all those three to four ETH mid-cap projects have floors at around, you know, 0.1 to 0.4. Um, it's really quite sad for, for the holders, right? Um, so do, you, do we think short term and take in that revenue or do we think long term and do we stunt that revenue growth and focus on building sort of um, long term value, really pivot the brand, you know, focus it on mainstream growth and mint these alternative characters and, you know, obviously airdrop free ones for the community when the time is right, where we can protect both the brand, the holders, Genesis collections, but also make sure that the second collections do really well. Um, you know, we've really got a goal that the next collection we launch or the collection after that, we want it to be an independent brand that can have a floor price as high as the Genesis or not. You know, can, it, can we have multiple blue chip contenders that our Genesis holders hold? Um, and so we just have, give tons and tons of values over the long term to our holders. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's awesome. I mean, the way you're, you're doing it, very clearly what what you're saying there where you said you made a conscious decision to go with a long-term view already goes to show that you know it's it's such a, a wide difference between most of the nft projects out there which literally they just took in the money and then once they had the money they were like uh now what now what do we do oh i guess you, we need to you, build a brand. You, you're talking about artifact bro you're talking about artifact? <laughs> I don't, man, I'm talking about 90% of the the collections out there. Literally, it's you can see they never created, they never all you know came in with a broader view 
of what they were trying to to uh, establish. And very clearly, you guys had a long term vision before launching the NFT project, and that really goes to show with you know sort of where your floor price is right now and and everything else. So let, let's go back and dive into because again, you have so many verticals. Um, I'm I'm going to ask you one more question about one of the verticals, and then I'm going to ask you a devil's advocate question because I think it it uh, you know it's fair to ask considering how many things you're doing. So another thing that you're looking at is media as well, right? And I mean, question that everything is media based, right? The the success of any project is through a successful media campaign. Having said this, what are you guys thinking in terms of the media aspect? How are you thinking of, you know, you're looking at fashion and you're clearly doing something that you you, you claim is going to be a first in the space. So you must have some idea of how, uh, you know, you guys are going to revolutionize the media, media space. So maybe if you can touch on this, that'd be great. Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think at the core, NFTs are, um, you know, in, in the way art is as well. It's about storytelling, and you know, we've recognised that. Um, you know, if we if we really are going to succeed in in you know penetrating mainstream with this IP, we've got to be the best at storytelling. You know, have the best IP, understand what the the universe, the characters, that the you know, I guess in in Web three, the law um, is. But really, you know, in order for this to uh, sustain and scale. We've got to hit, um, you know, big distribution channels with this. So, you know, we kind of take a blended approach to media. You know, there's the sort of really, you know, ambitious um, long-form content pieces, which, you know, we've been working on for a long time now with, with Seth Green and his studio, um, Stupid Buddy. Uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with Seth, he's, you know, he's an incredible um, actor you know, in, in a bunch of um, great movies. His studio worked on, you know, titles for Marvel and... and um, he, he's, um, a great, he's a great funny he, guy. He, yeah, he's he just, awesome. He just loves he loves he loves the creeps. You know, he's you know, we, we have incredible calls with him and he would like he sits there for an hour and basically acts out the the the, the show scenes and, and talks in the voice of the overlord and it's like you know, we could never be anywhere near as funny, but he just fundamentally gets what we're trying to achieve here. So there's that like long form ambitious stuff, which is like, can we take an IP from Web3, which has been built with the community, which is owned by the community, take that to 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 a mainstream uh, network, you know, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Fox, or, you know, there's a whole stream of um, platforms which, you know, value this type of like IP in the animated sense and get this on, on into the kind of mainstream TV shows. You know, that, just to put some numbers into perspective, like Rick and Morty's viewed like 10 billion times a year. So that, you know, that just totally shifts, changes the game if, 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 when that, if and when that happens, right? So then, then you kind of scale it down and you're like, okay, you know, that's an ambitious uh, reach, which we're on, on with at the moment and, and we should have something to share on that. The second piece is like more kind of shorter form stuff. And you talked about great campaigns being very media focused. You know, you look at TikTok, you look at social, you know, Twitter, you look at Instagram. You know, these, these channels are, have amazing ways to capture attention and build community around IP. You know, there's a big shift happening here where, you know, brands are recognizing that in order to build community outside of Web3, you know, where, where kind of mass market is, is gathered, um, you've got to be able to build relevant content on these channels in order for, to, for people to see your IP as relevant. You know, um, just because you have an X floor price in Web3 doesn't mean that you know, anyone outside of Web3 gives a, a crap. So being able to like find relevancy in those markets comes through like great quality content, empathetic content, et cetera. So, we're, you know, we're taking a full spectrum view on media, which is, you know, can we do the ambitious stuff, which really, you know, why we have WME behind us, why we have 360, why we have people like Seth 
taking risks on our IP to want to push to mainstream, to penetrate, you know, the households of, of, you know, millions of people. But then how do we, you know, support it along the way with, you know, incredibly um, hard hitting content on all these channels. And that's, that's a kind of blended media stack. You know, Pokemon does it very well. You can enter the Pokemon universe through watching the animated show, through their TikTok content, through their games. You know, it's just such a um, diverse um, funnel when, when you look at it like that, you, you start to think about, okay, you know, the, the fans can be, can come from anywhere. They can have different desires. They can have different, you know, interests. And actually you can be relevant to them at any one point. And if you do that well, you can scale very, very quickly because people start to fall in love with the content and then they want to, they want to consume more. You know, if you love the creeps character, you're going to then going to love the next character we, we bring out, or you're going to love the, the broader overlord universe. And you're then going to, you know, find yourself naturally bleeding down the funnel and starting to consume more and more and more. And that sticky behavior is what makes a brand, you know, between good and great or, you know, uh, a kind of household name. So media is a, media is a very, very powerful vehicle. When you, when you look at it correctly, it's, you know, it's really the, the vehicle that um, all these big entertainment brands leverage in order to drive mass adoption because it's just so universal. You know, the, the media, it, yeah. Everything, literally right now. And I think you can see it, right? The, the two brands, the, the two projects that have, that are hyper aware of it and that have hyper delivered on this is Pudgy Penguins and D-Gods, right? Literally, they are totally embracing media and totally understanding that everything, success comes from successful media campaigns, right? Because you could have the best brand and the best product in the world, but if no one knows about it and no one hears about it, then it becomes completely irrelevant. I mean, there could be a phone out there that is better than an iPhone, but we will literally never know about it because we never hear about it. So it's uh, having a good understanding of this. And as you say, as much as it must be annoying for, for, for you guys or for you know people that are developing brands, because now there are so many media providers that are relevant. I mean, there are so many media platforms that are relevant, which means you need to create different <laughs> content for each of the media platforms and it needs to be tailored as well because everybody likes it differently when, the way they consume it. So it must be a nightmare <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> yeah, we, we've, we've actually, you know, we built a full creative studio in-house. So we have the capability to do 2D, 3D animation videos. You know, the goal here is expansion. The goal here is push the product verticals that we've got. So, you know, yes, there's a load of different channels, but each one plays a different role, right? Like, you know, what you, you some people are a TikTok consumer, some people are Instagram consumer, same with Twitter, same with YouTube. You know, each one is, is really focused around like, why the hell are you spending your time consuming that content? And why can we, we be relevant for you and add value to you? So, you know, our shift into the, the short form content space over the next six, 12 months is gonna be quite significant. All right, Wacky, you said you want to ask them a devil ever skate question, right? Go ahead, buddy. Oh, snap. Yeah, I forgot actually about it. Good thing you're admitting <laughs> me. <laughs> so on this note, yes. Now, you uh, guys are, we, we just talked about so many different verticals, right? And very clearly you have huge ambitions and you seem to be putting all the right you know, wheels in motion to be successful and have all the right teams and doing all the right things. Having said this, those are drastically also different verticals in some ways, right? I mean, media, gaming, fashion, they're, while they can be complementary, they're also different. So um, how are you guys um, looking at this 
in the sense that uh, preventing yourself from spreading yourself too thin and you know becoming more like a jack of all trade rather than an expert in a specific field how are you approaching this um, with, by having so many different verticals yeah it's a great question and it comes down to how we see ourselves and our core competency as a, as a company and how we work with external partners and intertwine the IP throughout everything we're doing. So we see ourselves as a technical publisher. So what does that mean? We create IP, we build it on chain, um, and uh, you know, so we have a lot of technical expertise and a lot of creative expertise. We also then you know, focus on growth and marketing. When it comes to like core development of whether it's a game or a TV show or a merchandising brand or anything else we want to put in there, we go find world experts who have been proven to do it for decades at the highest level, have generated billions of dollars building the best brands. We go into deals with them where they build out those things and we help them with technical integration. You know, when it comes to Web3, we focus on um, growth of those things, um, you know, through media content, et cetera. And we also make sure that IP is, con is cohesive across the different verticals. So the storylines, the characters, the aesthetics, et cetera, that are being used in the game match what's happening in the TV show, match what's happening in merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. So we create this very hyper-efficient machine that can produce the best quality um, product without having any, you know, without adding any unnecessary risk to the company as a whole. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. As you say, hiring experts in the field is, is obviously a necessity. It's, um, it's then, yeah. and it's going to be a testament to you guys in terms of founders of a company because I think being good founders and just the same way being a good leader is also trusting your the people that you surround well a it's about surrounding yourselves with the right people but b also trusting those people without you know putting your ideas on them because technically they are the experts so it'll be uh it'll be amazing to see you guys develop from that perspective puke sorry over to you yeah so i think when we were talking about this i think one one thing that we can say for sure is um, you guys are good or like the masters in terms of uh, lending partnerships right like tons of things happen in the space it's not just you know you wanting to say hey you know i'm building an ip uh, right now we are out for licensing you know the committee is building on their own and that's it because with with stuff like that you know it, it can't really move much into in terms of like the floor price the needle and stuff like that but i see in terms of like for example like media right you guys obviously you know wanting to launch your own media or series with a big partnership for example if it has netflix right and then you know launching a lot of so i see a lot tons of your initiative it's it's kind of like you know doing it and it will reach huge success if instantly it has you know adaptation with like huge media brands partnership and stuff like that so the question really is like you know you guys so far have have been partnering with like for example you have uh, Spotify uh, recently you you announced that you guys have with this agency um, called WME so what was that whole thing that strikes this kind of partnership maybe you can talk a little bit is it like you know every every vertical that you guys have will be leading into a big partnership with some web2 uh, giant yeah great great way of looking at it. I mean 
you know, partner models allow us to scale quick. It allows us to, you know, aggressively enter new markets. The, you know, the, the business that we're in at a core is, is IP. So, you know, as Don was saying, it, unless we build the skills that internally, which is often the slowest way to do this because you've got to hire the talent, you've got to find the talent, you've then got to learn the, the process and framework for doing this. And often you're not going to be as good as someone who does this as a specialism. You know, the partner model then, sub, you know, kind of augments that skill gap. It, it allows us to plug and play a, you know, almost kind of a pre-made um, uh, sort of roadmap from from ID from incubation of idea all the way over to delivery and, and major success, and that's why we scale in this way. Which is why we have WME, which is why we have three six zero, who are you know agents and management of the IP because they recognise that you know in order for you to win in the IP game, you've got to be able to find relevancy in markets um, faster than anyone else. And in order to find relevancy, you've got to be good at what you do. You'll be better than anyone else. You know. One thing is more relevant than others because it understands what you, which what understands its user better than the other brand. So we find brands, part, brand partners who've done this before, who've scaled these these IP brands, who've made top shows, who've made you know created billions of dollars of value in gaming, who've you know launched top fashion brands, and we go and take our IP and say, hey, you know we we love what you've done there. Where does this IP uh, make sense to 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 enter, how do we how do we use the creeps overlord IP um, to to replicate that process? And you know, a lot of the time, it's finding the right partner for us, but it's also finding the the right market to enter as well. So you know, the partner model is 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 scalable. It doesn't necessarily mean it's it's going to be how we repeat uh, the process, but right now it allows us to move very very fast. Yep, yep. And I mean, one thing I, I see the benefit of being in a Web3 brand is that we kind of like have that ability to leverage each other's strength. And because of that, like the business or any projects that we see these days, the companies that scale have like that accelerated scaling, uh, you know, model to it. So maybe can touch, touch a little bit in terms of like what WME is and what this means for Overlord. So um, the real simple way of thinking about WME, you know, they are, um, they are the biggest entertainment agent in the world. So they work um, on the side of, of the Overlord IP and the Creeps IP. And their single goal here is to scale it into new verticals, to close deals, to extend the IP and tr grow the value. The, the relationship we built with them over the last eight months, which for context is how long it took us to, to close that, that deal, um, allows us to, you know, we really now understand how to leverage them. If, if we were 12 months ago, you know, we wouldn't have been in the position where a WME would have made sense because we needed to go and prove that the IP had enough, enough elasticity in it in order for it to scale into, you know, so many different uh, contexts, whether it's kind of toys or consumables or, or you know, food or, or all these like amazing ways you can, you can take an IP and make it relevant in a market. Um, we had to go and do the hard work. We had to go and do the lay the foundations for the for the IP to get there. We're now at that point. So when we closed that WME deal, you know, we sat around a table with their team, and you know, they that our mission to them and and really their mission to us was, you know, we want to become the biggest IP that comes out of this space in the next couple of years. Um, and here's the here's the verticals we want to hit, and here's the IP that we're going to build to hit that. So we're all totally aligned, and you know, we're on 
calls with them pretty much every day at the moment, you know, in WhatsApp chats, talking the whole time, throwing ideas around new opportunities for the brand, new partnerships. You know, there's just so much energy that comes from that, that alignment when they see the value in this IP at scale. And we have the foundations for that to, to make, um, make real. So um, it's, it's really interesting to, to have this opportunity because, you know, in total transparency, um, you know, we obviously set out to, to create a gaming ecosystem you know, IP in itself is is quite a portfolio um, bet. You know, you either have good IP or you don't. It's it's kind of binary. You know, we 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 you know as a kind of byproduct of um, the co community co creation and the foundations that we set in the IP, we ended up with something very valuable, um, a lot more valuable than we thought initially. You know, we, we obviously were very excited about um, Creeps and Overlord and, and thought there was something special there. But when you have people like WME who you know, they only work with brands who they know can be household names, come to you and say, we love what you've done. We see how this can be a household name across these verticals and we're going to make it, make it happen. Here's how we do it over the next few years. You really start to um, almost kind of pinch yourself about the, the future possibilities of the brand. So it's, it's, you know, we've been officially signed with them for a couple of months. We've been working with them for about eight months behind the scenes. So uh, what you'll see over the next six months is that that the IP being able to scale out of, of where you see now and, and, and actually start to challenge a lot of the definitions of Web3 IP as we move into Web2. Wacky? Is it me, Ruggy, or Wacky, you are silent, like muted? I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can hear me. I said to IP too much. He's probably drinking, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably drinking. But I mean, the the core... Okay, one thing I love about this whole space right now is because like the in, in terms of like when I see an NFT project, right? It's not just, you know, uh, you're launching a collection, uh, the, the floor price raises, people got happy and that's it, right? end of the day, in order for a collection, like, you know, to be big, it's always going to be the IP, right? Like, you see a brand, basically, you know, what's branding it has, what partnership it has with Web2 brands, like, you know, how users are using it on a, on a daily basis, what products are they launching, how they consume entertainment. It's going to be a huge vertical in terms of everything that people do. If your IP are able to touch based on it, then it becomes strong. So you, you talk a lot about IP. So what are the ways right now that the community are kind of like, you know, using the IP to build something on top of it? Because I see a huge move, for example, like when we talk about Yuga Labs, right? Like a lot of people are using their apes in terms of beverage, in terms of wine, you know, um, they have uh, burger, fast food restaurants, they have like, you know, bars and stuff like that. So one thing, like even in Malaysia right now, like I'm all the way in Malaysia and uh, recently last week, they launched a, a whole kind of like a mini ape fest whereby, you know, it has food with bought in brandings and drinks with bought in branding. So all these kind of brandings kind of like bring awareness to the project. So what are the ways um, you guys are doing it or do you guys have a similar approach with your committee members? Yeah, it's really important because... You know, as, as much as we as a company are going out and building value and products around the, the, the IP, the community own it. And so they can either own it and wait around for us to do stuff, which is totally fine and great. Um, but they can go and leverage the IP themselves and, and build meaningful value from the back of it. You know, either from a, just a pure creative, I'm here to have fun with my identity 
or I'm going to generate, you know, actual businesses around it. It's something that's important to us moving forward. And we're currently creating frameworks to invest in creeps holders to build out various different brands or businesses around that thing. This is the most exciting thing about releasing a, um, a sort of ERC20 token is that we can give grants to the holders to go, you know, build out their dream restaurant or to, to build out this new fashion line they've got. Or, um, you know, we've already got a bunch of people um, having mentioned this on, on spaces, you know, reaching out to us privately saying, hey, I've got an idea to build a game. Can I build it within the Overlord universe, you, you know, using some IP, et cetera. So it's something we want to supercharge because, you know, it's something about 5,000 people want to do that. But if you scale this up, and you imagine you're in a world where you've got a million fans or 10 million fans or 100 million fans and you give them the license and you give them the framework and power to go build out a bunch of products and things that kind of like spread this brand like a virus, you grow much faster, you grow much more effectively. And, you know, a large part of the value of that co-ownership, um, which we like to think about is if you're a fan of Rick and Morty, you know, you watch it every day, every other day. You know, every month or so, you might talk to your friend over dinner about how funny an episode was, but it's not that frequent. If you co-owned a brand and you co-owned the IP in a larger brand and company, you are going to tell every single person at every breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee by the work table, you know, et cetera, about that brand. And it acts as this crazy growth engine. Um, and, you know, we really, really believe that the future of, of building these brands and, and, the, and the value of Web3 is that if we win, we all win. And if holders win, we win. And if holders win, other holders win. And, you know, there's this, there's this mutually aligned incentive where we all work together to build out the value of this brand and we all get the value back. Yep. Hold on, guys. Hold on. I'm I'm trying to get wacky up on stage, bro. Like, sorry, but I cannot invite you as a speaker right now because it's not popping up, man. Wacky. <laughs> this guy. This guy. Even though, so just just to let you guys know, he moved into a recent a big office. Uh, but man, like when he was at home, the connection was super smooth. So I reckon he has to come back I'm, home I'm back. To, to have a better connection. <laughs> so so crazy! <laughs> I literally just went into the audience office and I thought I was in the middle of speaking. Sorry, guys. Um, you interrupted. I think they were in the middle of speaking. But I had I had one question. Go ahead. All right, all right. So so um. I, I love what you talk about it because like, you know, it's it's always different when you saw something good versus you are partly involved, right? And when you buy the NFT, the ownership, and day by day, for example, you wrapping that PFP, you kind of feel like, you know, you belong to the brand. It's very different in terms of the com consumer's uh, perspective in terms of when you're just buying it versus you are involved in it. And when you, you know, you own or, you know, you, you basically, you, maybe you dictate something that, you know, the whole brand drive towards that whole motivation, you be like, hey, man, I am the one person that make an impact in it. And definitely, I'll go back and just brave to everybody that I met. And I think this is the true ownership in terms of how, you know, content that is genuine, um, you know, how content that is motivating because the 
in the end of the day, the best marketing message is always going to be the word of mouth, right? Like you don't trust anybody except your friends tell you, hey, you know what? Just get the NFT. Uh, you buy it without without asking him, right? And in, and in the end, you know, even it doesn't make money or things like that, you still trust him because he's your friend. So I, I believe like the power in terms of doing this, it's, it's really massive. And in a way that when a project can kind of like tap this kind of mentality, it's basically have limits to anything that you want to grow. So talking about this and, you know, recently we've been also talking about, you know, providing like some kind of not just ownership in terms of the floor price going up, but kind of like rewarding, you know, um, users, rewarding holders to first stay loyal, you know, build a brand together with the main brand, uh, actively, you know, churn out content for the brand. So let's talk a little bit in terms of the new Overlord token, because is it a way in terms of you guys planning to reward the audience? Um, how does this whole thing works? It is 100%. We think what ApeCoin and Bored Apes did was obviously very exciting but they sort of killed a long-term opportunity for themselves. I'm sure they have a sort of treasury which they can activate moving forward, but um, I think they've really moved it to being decentralized as fast as possible. Um, So I think they've lost control of that. But, you know, we see the ERC20 token that we're releasing as the currency for the Overlord ecosystem. In all the different games that we're building, in the different, um, you know, Entertainment verticals will have, you know, Web3 elements integrated within them that will use this token. And we'll also do sort of, we'll also do sort of tokenomic buyback mechanisms to sort of, um, uh, I guess, value accrue back to the token, any value that's generated. And what we get to do with that is, A, get holders to vest this token over time in the same way that we as a team do, the way that our investors will. Um, so as the brand grows over time, you'll get dividends essentially in a legally compliant way. You'll get dividends um, in essence from the brand growth, but also to your point, you know, reward holders for different behaviors, you know, whether that's um, being active and being um, someone who um, builds products for us or is active in spaces with us or whatever, whatever sort of um, definition of input you want to use, we can reward holders at scale and, you know, we think about this um, when we're modeling this out, not just in terms of, hey, let's reward an NFT holder who's shilling on crypto Twitter. We're talking about, hey, how can we activate the biggest game streamers on Twitch to play our game and, you know, drive users to the game and reward them with token? Or in UGC formats, you know, in media, can we get, um, can we get, you know, fans of the TV show on Netflix, for example, to create short form content and share it on, Twitter and t- on TikTok and Instagram? And that's basically, can we use the token to reward viral growth mechanics at scale? Um, and we think that's a really, really interesting opportunity when it comes to, you know, generating millions of, of fans in mainstream and drive that value back to the token and eventually back to the NFT holders. Um. 
This is awesome. I, we're, we're just looking at messages. Uh, my co-host asking me to pin stuff, and then he deleted those messages. So I think he's taking care of it. So I, you know, we've got. <laughs> you confuse me, man. You're troll, you're trolling me no, no, behind no, no, the scenes. No, no. All right. So so Maeve was MIA, guys. Like Maeve was MIA. So I was like, ah, shit. You know, I'm gonna send it to you. But then Maeve came back and pinned it, and it's like, ah, right, all good, all good. All right. So he's, since, he's since bro, since you interrupted, so guys, you know, thank you for being on the space. So you know, we. Like, beginning of the show, we said, you know, we're going to release a pull-up. So, basically, uh, the pull-up is on. Anybody who attended the space, we already take a snapshot uh, using ref.gg. So, all you have to do is go up on the top of the space, click on the link, which is by Pukecast. So, P-U-K-E-C-A-S-T. Click on the link, you know, it's better to use a laptop. And uh, you just have to put in your address, click main, and you get the pop-up. So what the pop-up is for, basically, is to enter our ecosystem. We were having, you know, raffles, for example, 5 days, 10 days, 15 days. And uh, each time we release the raffle, it's going to be different prizes. This time for Monday, it's going to be a 200 USD uh, coin from courtesy from Kaiju Friends. All right, Wacky, go ahead. So last question as we about to close the space soon. Um Overview, uh, what, what is your, your view of the macro factor at the moment, the economy? Uh, everything at the moment is, is a bit a bit strange, right? We're potentially entering a funky situation. Is this something that you guys take a look at at all and uh, you know take into consideration? Or as you said at the bit, as we were discussing, you're so well-funded and you already have so many plans in place anyway. And to be honest, a lot of things, a lot of the things that you're working on take time to build regardless. So even if it's a bear, a, a bull, you know, the, the building time doesn't change. And in which case you guys are sort of agnostic to it and just keeping your head down, going ahead with it. And then, uh, you know, build, obviously building for the future. How are you guys tackling and, and thinking about uh, the economy overall at the moment? Macro is really important, and I don't think people put enough importance on it within the NFT space. There's an app called Floor. I don't know if any of you guys use it. Um, they have this feature where you can, you can add projects to watching, and whether it's one day, seven days, or 30 days, you can see the percentage at which their floor prices have gone up and down. And, you know, I always tell people in Discord, I'm like, zoom in and zoom out. Um, you know, zoom out or being obviously look at well, macro you notice that all projects go up and down, except for a few anomalies here and there. They'll go up and down together, up, down, up, down. And so, you know, whether it's hype or FUD, in a lot of ways, it's sometimes a little bit irrational because we're all just moving with the space. We think you've got to move two steps forward and one step back. So when everything's green and going up and the macro is going well, we've got to fight hard um, to drive as much growth forward or floor price upwards as we can. But as everything's going red and everyone's drawing back and people are, you know, listing lower on all projects, um, we've got to try and retain the floor as much as we can. So we move from growth to retention, growth to retention as the primary, um, you know, metric that we're measuring, depending on the week or the month um, that we're sort of, we're building in. But if you take an even larger macro approach, you look at the entire year rather than a per week or per month basis, we, you know, let's be honest, the bear market sucks. It's not as fun. It's not as exciting. You know, there's not generational wealth being created every five minutes. Um, but we see it as a huge, massive opportunity for us as a brand and for us as a community. Because, you know, as you said, you know, we've got the funding, we've got the team, we're building the products and verticals. We see this as an opportunity to sprint harder and faster in the face of adversity and in the face of a bad market when every other brand 
is pulling back and not investing as much and not doing as much and kind of going to safe mode. You know, we've realized if we burn the oil and, you know, get the engine revving as fast as possible, we're going we're gonna to sprint past everyone and, 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 you know, come out dominating over the next year. You know, that's a thesis right now. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll show you that it's, it's executed over the, over the year. Manif manifestation man i mean just you saying it and you believing it is already half the battle so um you know and and very clearly you guys have a plan you guys have an idea i gotta tell you it's very refreshing to speak to founders that are able to put two words together put a plan together have a clear vision of what they're trying to to achieve and you know don't, don't answer every question well i don't know i'll just see what happens so you know <laughs> it, it is great it, it, it's awesome Wacky, uh, wacky. i i know who you're talking about i know i know <laughs> i mean I mean, God damn. But uh, no, this is great. It's super, super impressive what, what you guys are in, um, in having the works, what you guys are planning on doing, and and the vision that you have for the space. It's, uh, as you say, you probably are a sleeping giant because everybody talks about Animoca, Animoca, but uh, clearly you have also very similar aspirations and uh, sound like you're well on the path for, for, for those. So congratulations. The strength of you guys' community, I do have to say, the amount of creeps in the audience is a real testament to this. And, uh, you know, you guys must have put a lot of work to it. So congratulations to you and to you guys in the audience for supporting supporting the project, supporting your founders. It is really, really awesome to see this a community rallying behind projects and project founders like this. So congratulations to uh, all, all of you guys. Yep, yep. And guys, you know, we run this show Monday to Friday at 10 p.m. GMT plus 8, which is Singapore time. We talk about, you know, what's hot in the NFT market, the latest alpha, and also invite good projects as guest speaker. Once again, thank you for being a part of the Asia Web3 Motherfuckers, powered by PewCast, the rock radio of Asia. With you guys, I believe we are one step ahead in building the most journeying community in Asia. And I have to say, it is a pleasant, you know, to have you, Joe, and Dom here to us with us here today. And I know it's amazing to see what you guys have been built, your vision in terms of building longevity in an NFT project. And like this is a kind of like a different approach, as Becky said. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to hear more from you guys in the future. And Wacky, please, you know, go and give Joe or Dom a good night out, a couple of bills, get them drunk because, you know, tonight he made me finish like one and a half can of beer. Like I, <laughs> I, I cheated a little bit, a little bit, um, you know, but it's still a good drink. All right. So Wacky, do you have the outro? I'm going to play the same music because just now, man, it rocked me. All right. Love Wacky, it. Love do it. the outro. This was us, Asia Web3 motherfuckers. Thank you for joining us. It's the weekend. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dom. Cannot wait to catch up with you boys. Let's go for that pint. I'm in Waterloo. Have a good weekend, guys. Love you all. Bye, 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 bye. bye.